Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm the host, Scott. Today's episode is called, One of These Things is Exactly the Same as the Other. So a couple weeks ago, I did a responses episode where I talked about some of the things that were said in the in the comments and through Facebook messages and and other outlets where people reached out to me. And there was one comment that I started to reply to, but as I kept talking, I knew that it needed to be its own episode, which is ironic because it's a really short comment. And from that, I just have so many thoughts. As I jump into this, I don't, I don't want this listener to feel like I'm calling them out or that I think they're a horrible person. I just want to point out something that's natural that we all need to consider when we're talking to other people. But before I get into that, I did want to mention something. Now, this is me coming in a couple weeks later. I, uh, I recorded this episode uh, back at the end of March and had some other things lined up to release before then. Anyway, in that time since I recorded this episode and now, this is just a few days before it will release, I watched a new movie and I really think that the listeners should go and check it out. It's in theaters right now and it's called... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, for a little background, the directors on this one are, they refer to themselves as Daniels. Both of their first names are Dan or Daniel. Perhaps they're most famously known for doing the movie Swiss Army Man with Daniel Radcliffe, where he played a flatulent corpse. (laughs) If you're familiar with their work, it is strange and imaginative, but also really heartfelt. And that is a perfect way to describe this new movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Now I don't take too much stock in what critics say, but I do think it's interesting. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at a 96% for critics and a 94% for uh, regular viewers. It is a phenomenal movie. It's rated R, so there are some graphic moments in it. Now the reason I'm mentioning it for this episode is that there's a point near the end that really connects with some of the ideas that I want to talk about that I will talk about in just a moment here, but I don't want to give any spoilers away. So um, maybe I'll, I'll bring up those thoughts in a couple of weeks and I'll do it at the end of the episode and I'll do a spoiler warning. In the movie, it presents people in a multifaceted way that is a beautiful way to look at human beings. The premise of the show is this woman is able to access the multiverse, alternate versions of herself, and the skill sets that she has learned in these different realities. There's this dark entity out there that is trying to kill her. The story just gets crazier and crazier from there. It's a hilarious and emotional movie. Anyway, go check it out. Awesome, awesome movie. 
Um, and then in a couple of weeks here, I might throw in um, the connection that I wanted to put with this episode and that movie, but I just don't want to do any spoilers. Let's jump into this. Mid-March of 2022, for those listening off in the future, I did a couple of episodes with a guest uh, named Michelle Larson, where we were exploring spirituality and specifically uh, through the lens of the feminine divine. And we were talking about some of the feminine divine mythological characters from a number of different cultures, which I thought was a fascinating discussion. I really enjoyed what Michelle brought to the table for that discussion. And that was precisely why I brought her on. There was a commenter that said this, he or she said, I'm looking forward to your return to reality. Like I said, it's a short comment. It got me thinking, got the wheels turning in my head, and and I have a lot of thoughts about this. <laughs> when I, what I replied to this person was, I'm not sure how you knew, but I was having a poor mental health weekend. Thanks for welcoming me back to, to reality. Derealization is a complex feeling, and it takes effort to feel like this experience is actually happening. There's a famous thought experiment that I've done a fair amount of thinking on. It's the brain and the vat one, and I'll, I'll probably do some episode, an episode or two talking about that specific thought experiment, but it's the, the premise is, how do we know that this reality is really happening? Could we just be a brain in a vat? Or if we want to use you know the, some of the imagery from movies, we could relate it to being plugged into the matrix. How do we know that we're not just plugged in to the matrix? Anyway, it's a really cool thought experiment, and I think there's some some interesting things you can learn about reality by thinking about it. But what I, what I wanted to talk about in this episode is the skill set that we learn as we deconstruct religion. And I want to recommend a place where we might continue to use these deconstructive skills in, in other aspects. When I say the tools or the skills that we learn when we're deconstructing religion, this is what I mean. Critical thinking would be the, the skill set used to analyze and examine facts or evidence and come to an informed decision on a subject as unbiased as we can. We used these critical thinking skills, the ability to identify information, identify the source, who said it, were they for or against XYZ subject. We learn how to do the research into reading in and digging into where this information is coming from. We look into the, the motives for the speakers. Why would this person want to say that thing or this thing over something else? Is this person someone who's disaffected from the church? Or is this person someone neutral? Is this person someone who is a member of the church? When we look at these, these historical events and all of these, these troubling aspects of church history, the things that we need to be doing is understanding who said it, why they said it, who they said it to, and what motives they might have might have had to say that. And, and in this skill set, it's research, it's identifying, it's analyzing, it's thinking critically. That's, that's what I'm describing. And these are the skills that we all implemented when we started this religious deconstruction, this journey of making sure that what we believe and what we think aligns as closely as we can to reality. Now, why, why bring up critical thinking with this comment, this seemingly innocuous comment about returning to reality? 
Now, I'm not certain if this listener is because there was no context given, but I'm not certain if this listener listener is a member of the church or a post member of the church. I'm not sure if what they were saying was my return to reality to becoming a believer again or my return to reality to return to atheism or the subjects that I typically cover on the podcast instead of leaning a little bit more heavily on the spiritual aspect of things. Regardless, uh, the idea is the same. When I think about religious deconstruction, one of the most important things that I want people to deconstruct, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, whether you left Christianity and joined an evangelical church or, or wh- wherever you stand, Wiccan, Buddhist, Hindu, it, it does not matter where you stand. The aspect of Christianity and specifically Mormonism that was ingrained in all of us that we need to deconstruct is missionary work. In the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the phrase, the only true and living church is used. There's this mentality that those in the faith have the truth and those outside of the faith do not have it and they are othered. When you're part of the organization, you look at the rest of the world with pity because they don't agree with you. It's almost this this internalized elitism that comes with this ideology of having all of the truth when the rest of the world doesn't. This is specifically what I'm recommending the listener deconstruct. Whether on the side of atheism, agnosticism, or any other religion, when you approach another human being thinking that you're better than them or that you are right and that you know what's better for the other person is an unhealthy way to approach the relationships that we develop with other people. After deconstructing Mormonism from my life, I leaned heavily into Buddhism for a time and landed more firmly into a a more stoic uh, philosophy for how I'm leading my life. Now, this is kind of a, a funny little story. It comes from the book. When it was originally written, it was a series of notebooks, but it's uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I may have quoted it earlier in the podcast. I can't remember, but it's it's one of my favorite books of all time. Now, this, this particular part that I'm going to read comes from Notebook 5, and it's part 28. And it says this. Surely you're not angry with a man because of his foul stench or stinking breath, are you? What good will will that do you? That's the way his mouth is. That's the way his armpits are. So they're bound to give off foul odors. But as a human being, he's equipped with the faculty of reason and has the ability, if he applies his mind, to realize what's making him so offensive. Fine, but it follows that you have the faculty of reason too. Use rationality to activate rationality. Explain things to him. Bring the matter up with him. If he gets the point, you'll cure him, and there will be no need for anger. Marcus Aurelius, the, the writer of Meditations, he, he actually wrote this as kind of like a personal thought journal, trying to remind himself to be a good person. It wasn't ever intended to be published the way that it is today. Aurelius was a 2nd century CE Roman emperor philosopher. His writings are so grounding and so, and they have been so influential in the way I see the world. 
Now, what's he saying here? In, in this quote, he's talking about interacting with someone that's smelly, meeting someone who hasn't bathed or brushed their teeth. What he recommends here is the person is that both persons have the faculty of reason where they can think about things and rationalize things. And what Aurelius recommends here is don't be angry at this person for having a different idea than you, for having a di- for not bathing. He may not know that he shouldn't that he should be bathing. So teach him. Instruct him. And if this person learns that bathing will help him be clean and not smelly, great. If not, well then it's his choice. Now what does this have to do with different opinions and different ideas? As a believer or a non-believer, if you hold on to an idea so hard that you try and shove it down someone else's throat and force them to see the world through your same lens, you need to recognize that every human being has the ability to think rationally. Now for this next part, I'm actually going to jump quite a bit forward in his book in meditations. This is notebook nine and it's part 42. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this, this one's actually pretty long. But there's, there's one sentence in here that I think is really important. He's talking about someone who lacks shame. So that's, that's why he's talking about shame in, in this particular quote. But it's, it's applicable to what we're talking about here as well. And here's what he says. He's just one of those shameless people who must necessarily exist in our world. As soon as you remind yourself that it's impossible for such people not to exist. You'll be kinder toward each and every one of them. It's also helpful immediately to consider what virtue nature has granted us human beings to deal with any given offense. Gentleness, for instance, to counter discourteous people and other ways to counter others. The point that he makes here that I absolutely love, when we look at someone who has a different opinion than us. Let's say if you're a believer, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, talking to someone who has left. Keep in mind, according to what Aurelius is saying here, keep in mind that there will always be people that leave the church. You can't control that, and that's okay. And then on the flip side, let's say you've completely deconstructed religion. It is no longer part of your life and this would be the camp that I'm in, I need to keep firmly in mind that there will always be theists. There will always be people that believe in God. There will always be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So me talking to an individual who thinks differently than me, my goal shouldn't be to switch him from one camp to the other. I can share my opinions. I can share the things that I've learned about church history. But instead of trying to convince someone to change their mind, to join my camp over their camp, why not ask them how they feel about any given situation or idea? Allow them to be a person. Allow them to be a believer. Because there always will be believers. We're not going to, it's not going to one day to the next, the whole world is going to shift and there's going to be only Christians or only Hindus or only Buddhists. There will always be a wide variety of worldviews. And isn't that part of why this world is such a cool place? There's distinct ways to look at things. And sure, maybe, maybe me throwing out this podcast and talking about church history and, and encouraging religious deconstruction, maybe that will help someone leave the church. 
Maybe that will help them look at things in a different way. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to. The only person that I can convince of anything is me. One of the other things that I like to keep firmly in mind, and this goes with every aspect of my life, I fully believed that God existed. I fully believed that Joseph Smith was a prophet. You know, I could go through and list all of the core tenets of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I won't, I won't, I'll spare you. But where I stand now, I'm in a place where I can look back and recall holding all of those beliefs. I know what it felt like to be a believer. I know what it felt like to come to the realization that I might be wrong. And that was a really hard emotion to deal with. I also know what it feels like to flip onto the other side of things, be fully in the camp that the church is false, and trying to, to convince my wife to join me down this path of religious deconstruction. And those conversations that we had early on when I left the church were not healthy. I treated her as if her not seeing what I saw made her a lesser person. But then I came to a realization, and this negatively impacted our relationship. But as is usually the case, she taught me something very important. She accepted me for who I was, even though I no longer believed in the church. And if she was willing to offer me that sort of acceptance and love, even though I thought differently than her, Shouldn't I offer that same sort of acceptance and love to her? And I'm, I'm going to relate this on a macro and a micro level. When I examine my relationship with my wife and my children and my family and friends, that's me looking at it at a micro level. That is bringing it down to a very small group of people. But if I really want to fully embrace this idea, this concept of radical acceptance, if you will, I need to expand that to encompass everyone in the human race. That isn't to say that there aren't harmful and, and dangerous ideas out there in some of these organizations. I'm not trying to say that, that everything about the church is to be praised, because there are some real harmful doctrines and things taught that I've discussed and that other podcasters discuss. Racism, homophobia, misogyny, a lot of these things are ingrained in the scriptures and introduced into the culture based on some of the words of the prophets. I'm not saying that my radical acceptance of a believer is my radical acceptance of a believer does not mean that I condone those sort of behaviors, but it's an acceptance or perhaps tolerance might be the right word. It's a tolerance that there will always be believers. There's a, there's a really good quote from Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Probably didn't think that's where this was headed, but <laughs> Mr. Rogers and in, in, uh, Fred Rogers in his book, Many Ways I Say I Love You, this is exactly what I'm trying to encapsulate with this idea. Out of difference can come the reinforcement of two important values. One is tolerance and the other is awareness that people who disagree over the things they hold dear really can live together in love and respect. 
I don't think he's referring to respect for their ideologies. I think that's why he's using the word tolerance here. But maybe love and respect for the individual. So the next time you're debating theology, talking to a theist or, or an atheist about why they should or should not see the world in this way or that way, take a moment and recognize that you cannot convince that person of anything. It is solely in their power to change their mind. That doesn't mean that you don't have an obligation or a duty to teach them some of the most harmful aspects of their ideology. And I'm specifically referring, referring to racism, homophobia, sexism, that sort of thing. If there's an aspect of their behavior that is actively harming people, going back to the Marcus Aurelius quote, if this man is really, really stinky, it's our job to tell them why they're stinky, but it's not our choice whether or not they go and bathe. It's not our choice whether or not the church will ever apologize for its racist history and the racist things that the prophets have spoken over the pulpit. It's not our choice if the church will ever be accepting of the LGBTQ plus community. We don't get to decide that. We can teach them why their behaviors are wrong, but it's up to them if they're going to make a decision to change and be a healthier space for everyone. I can't snap a finger and suddenly offer the priesthood to women. I can't change this patriarchal, misogynistic society just because I see problems with it. Just as I said with the other two examples, all we can do is teach and help encourage good, positive changes and hope that they make them. But I cannot ever make those changes for the church or for the individual. Loving a person is different than loving their ideology. You do not have to agree with a person to get along with them. And I think perhaps, along with this radical tolerance and acceptance, we should offer one more word, kindness. We can also be kind to the people that we disagree with. Or, and this is a callback to the to the beginning of the episode, this whole reality could just be made up and it's in my head and none of you even exist. I probably shouldn't end the episode on that. <laughs> when I responded to that listener, I divulged maybe a personal aspect of my life and, and I've talked about it very occasionally here, but I, I suffer from some pretty, pretty intense depression. It was crippling for a long time. So I know I was making light of it in the comment, but I only joke about things because if I didn't, I'd be crying about them. And again, to the listener who did make that comment, I have no ill feelings towards you. And I don't want you to get the impression that this is, this is me trying to teach you that your breath is stinky. I have no problems with you. You be you. I can only change me. I'm not, uh, behind this microphone, giving out this episode, because I think anyone else out there should, should change and, and think exactly the way I do. I'm simply explaining the thought process that brought me here to this point where I am right now. And who knows, 
I have been so wrong about very important things in the past. Maybe I'm wrong about this one too. At the outset, I brought up the topic of critical thinking. So I'm going to circle back and round this all together. Is there a difference between a theist and an atheist proclaiming that they have all of the truth? And if there is, what is that difference? There's a trend on some of the social media platforms that goes something along these lines. Show two clips that give off the same energy when a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints says, I have all the truth. I have received spiritual confirmation that this is the one true living gospel of Christ. And everybody else only has parts of the truth. This sentiment gives off the exact same energy as an atheist proclaiming that all religious people are duped and brainwashed and that only I have all the truth because I have read and studied evolution and, and thought critically about the existence of God and every theist out there is wrong. Those two sentiments give off the exact same energy. It is elitist. Use those critical thinking skills that we all developed. Think about this. Think about these two sentiments and try and understand if there really is a difference between them. I'm not saying that they're both right and that both assertions are correct, that there is no God or that the church of Jesus Christ is the one true gospel. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the sentiment, the motivation for having that sort of an attitude towards another human being. As an agnostic atheist myself, I cannot criticize a theist for an approach like this one that we're describing. If I present to them the exact same approach, I can't criticize someone who, who tells me that they're the one true church and that they have all of the truth and then turn around and tell them that they are wrong and that I have studied X, Y, and Z and I know the truth through my research and study. For a listener out there who might disagree with me, please let me know. Do you see a difference in the attitudes of those two concepts. Because for me, I don't. Have your convictions. Think and ponder and decide what you believe, but then allow another human being to have that same sort of autonomy for their own life and disagree respectfully. Present ideas, ask questions, explore what they think, but don't treat them any lesser for having a different idea than you. Sorry to any listener who's going through an existential crisis and, and wondering if this reality is even happening. <laughs> I really didn't mean to cause any problems. Thank you for listening to the episode. I know this was a little bit different than some of the previous ones I've done. If this is content that you enjoy, I would greatly appreciate you going and clicking like or subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening to this drop a comment, shoot me a message. I love talking to my listeners. You guys are the best. And I have learned a lot from you guys. And many of my episodes come out from these conversations that we have in the background. Even if it's just one sentence long. Wherever you find yourself today, off at work, out on a run, 
wrangling little children to bed. I hope that you have an excellent day, if any of this is even real. <laughs>